Hello and welcome to the Blue Room on uh, Radio City Talk. If you're listening on a Thursday to see if other souls breakfast show, like what I did there, Matt, because I completely forgot that we're just a podcast now. <laughs> so <laughs> just uh, a podcast, Dave. Well, much more than it, much more than that. Always much more than a podcast. You get full value for money because you don't actually have to spend anything with the Blue Room. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're back this week. It's a somewhat short version, given the fact that well, you can just just about think Everton sound like a broken record at the moment can't you so we don't want to end risk sounding that way uh, but we have got that Leicester game to look forward to as well that's coming up this Saturday uh, as usual Ped is, uh, has other media obligations that he can't take part in today's show so he's missing once again uh, and Dave Bennett sorry so it's just me and Matt Jones this evening um, let's get straight into it Matt Norwich again uh, Performance at half time, I think we all sort of knew the writing was on the wall because <laughs> I've never seen so many people take to social media and start saying these are going to score first five minutes of the second half. Lo and behold, it happens. I mean, what, what can you can you put your finger on what's going wrong at the moment? I think they just lack killer instinct. That's that's the thing that struck uh, me in the last few weeks. Um, this this was different to the Palace game for me because even though in that game we had we had chances and we, and we didn't capitalise and we should have won that match as well as we should have done against Norwich. This this one was just rank bad finishing and just such bad profligacy in front of goal. And you, you just wonder if they get a little bit complacent. They, they go in at half time and they think, oh, well, we're playing well here. We've had five, six clear cut chances and more, more are guaranteed to come along. But what, we, what we've seen in the last few weeks against Bournemouth, um, obviously on Saturday, and even against Middlesbrough to some extent, when, when a team is down in a game and they're at home, they're going to come off flying at half time. They're going to put you under pressure. Sometimes you just need to go into survival mode for those first few five minutes, clear balls away, make sure you shell out defensively, just do the basic things right. And and we just don't have that that nous in terms of going forward, killing teams off, or at the back when we just need to see see periods out like that. And once they scored and and, and it was one one again, the, another worrying thing for me was that we just never ever looked like scoring the mm. game again. All all the confidence had gone from the team, all the patterns that we had in the first half, which were torn and tearing Norwich to bits, had disappeared. And the fact that the manager, I'm sure we'll touch upon this later, seems unable to alter that when we do when we do have a setback yeah. in a game, he seems unable to to alter the patterns of play and get us back in a match. That that's that's a big concern for me going forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that this this sort of mentality that seeps in maybe complacency is the word, but the thing for me that really sticks out is the fact that it, it happened once, and you could forgive people for sort of thinking, well, that, that that's just a, you know a rarity. You see things, freak results like that Bournemouth one happen. When you look at Palace, where we didn't take finish our chances off in them ones, and okay, that one was a lot down to luck as well. But I, I sort of think that you get the impression when it keeps happening again repeatedly that you think it doesn't get addressed in training or it's not getting addressed by the group or the manager because they simply have an attitude of, well, oh, it couldn't possibly happen again. Do you know where they see it as a lot of averages type of thing? And yeah. I'd, I'd hate to put anything or leave anything to chance like that. And I, I get the impression that that's what's happened. I think that you can have that complacency in a Premier League game. We've seen it firstly against Bournemouth. Then against Palace when you're not getting the rub of the green. And we did well to get a draw out of that for our persistence. Mm. That could have been a hard luck story, that game. It was to a certain extent because we still should have won it. But the fact that we got a, dug ourselves out of a hole, got a point out of it was... You know, it was, it was, you know, credit to the players for that, but this one has followed such a familiar pattern that you can't help but, I mean, I've seen the debate rage all week on Twitter, whether it's the players who are responsible for this or the manager, because the manager allows this mentality to continue. Where do you stand on where you would point the finger of blame? 
I think in looking at that, that game in isolation on Saturday, I'd have to say both are culpable because Martinez can set the team up as much as he wants, but there's only certain... There are things beyond his control, such as Lukaku missing a couple of good chances, Kone missing a couple of good chances. Those things, you can't necessarily control them, but in the in the bigger picture... It, it struck me this week when Bain said we've we've only just started practicing set defending set pieces, and you look at the games this weekend, and I think it was in um, six of the of the nine matches before Monday's game. I can't remember if there's one on Monday's game or not, but there's a set piece scored in six of those nine games, and I was yeah. looking through them, and they were all crucial goals. They'd either getting a team in front or getting them level in the match again, and you think that it's such a, a massive part of the game. And I'll speak to somebody this week about how set pieces sometimes they are random you can't control everything that goes on teams have routines etc etc but it's about minimalizing those those round that, that randomness and being prepared yeah. for things in matches and, and at the <clears> moment <throat> we just don't seem prepared so that that ultimately has got to light the manager's feet the fact that he, he seems to get he seems so you've got to admire how stubborn he is in a way because he's so convinced that what he's doing is the right way and, and we see that in the way the team plays and the substitutions he makes. It, it it needs something to go very, very wrong for him to address it. And I feel yeah. like that might be the same with these set pieces as well because we've all seen in, in weeks gone by that we struggle with them. It's been a long time since we look comfortable with crosses coming into the box, whether it's the goalkeeper not coming for anything or the defenders not doing enough to, to head the ball away. And maybe now it's, it's got to that point where he's thinking, right, that this is a major issue now and we're going to start practising it. But... Obviously, they need to practice it a little bit more going off uh, going off Saturday. Yeah, just a bit. I sort of look at a situation like this, and it, it's easy to draw comparisons with the managers. And I, I started doing it. I do it a lot anyway, mm. compared to Martinez to other managers. Um, not not just other managers from other clubs, but I look back to Moyes' time with us and and think about us with set pieces. And he he was he, he never gets really regarded as a pragmatic manager, Moyes. He gets regarded as sort of one-dimensional, and mm. ultimately that's where his failings come from in the end. But having said that, with things like set pieces, he played the percentage as well. Like you're talking about there, minimalising the risk. There's no way you can stop certain things from no. happening. You don't. You can't predict them. But the way he set us up to defend and attack set pieces. Obviously, we had Tim Cahill at the time. It was great defending them, and as much as he was uh, attacking mm. them. I sort of think Martinez misses the boat with that a little bit and and he does just leave it up to chance, leaves it up to, well, if we defend properly, we should see out a corner. There's a very particular skill to set pieces and I think you're coming up against managers like Alex Neal, I think he, he sort of, that would be a focus of his attacking sort of tactics at Norwich. Would be, Alex Neal will be set pieces. Mm. You look at a lot of sides in the bottom half of the Premier League and that will be their go-to tactic. It'll be their source for most of their goals. So from that point of view, it's very, very naive of Martinez not to think of set pieces as a tool teams are going to use to batter us with. And they consistently see a goalkeeper, standards rooted to his line, all coming for crosses and all the indecisiveness of it. Mm. You see in defenders who don't position them well themselves well, um, you know, you, you start bringing up whether it should be zonal marking, whether it should be man-to-man marking. And, and the way they attack the ball on set pieces, how deep they, they, they drop for crosses... It's it's all a bit of a mess for me, and I know there's always been this rumor that he just doesn't have any of it in training. Mm. I mean, I think it was in Leon Osman's book, he doesn't touch set pieces. Well, that that can't wash for me. Simply, I think that's that's a massive oversight if he's not if he's not looking at anything to do with that when it's the predominant reason why we're conceding goals. I I completely agree with that, and you, you can see. There's, there's times when I think Martinez sees an opposition set pieces as a chance for Everton to score a goal because 
I, I think we've only got one player in the team, Alfield player, who attacks the ball properly, and it's in Funes Mori. He's the only player I, I can think of in, in, in the Everton team who was always looking to go and win headers in the penalty area or the opposition penalty area at times when, we, when we've got set pieces. Yeah. The only other one really who does it is Lukaku. And the fact that he is always on the halfway line when we get corners tells you all you need to know. He's, he's not thinking about defending the corner and getting through that spell. He's thinking about getting up the pitch, getting it to Lukaku and trying to counter-attack. And, and that's great when it works. We, we scored a goal against Southampton, didn't we, like that earlier in the season to, to get to get 1-0 up in the game. But when you're going through a spell like we are at the moment, like you mentioned there, we've got a goalkeeper who's not very confident coming up his line. Our captain's not on the team. We've got a lot of young players in there. Sometimes you just need to get through those spells, don't you? Especially five minutes after half-time as well when you know... Well, not even five minutes, was it? It was a minute after half-time yeah. when you know the opposition's going <clears throat> to attack, you're going to put you under pressure. Just get him back in the box and get him to head the ball away, even if he doesn't have to mark anyone. You, may, you mentioned Tim Cale there. He never used to mark anyone on corners for Everton. He used to just stand in the middle of the of the penalty area and he'd just go and head balls away. And yeah. that that I think that's something he should look at. Lukaku this season's got a lot better in the air. He looks a lot stronger in there. Why not put Delafeu up on the halfway mm. halfway line instead? Why not? He's, put, he's not going to have any influence exactly. on the corner. Even anyway. Aruna is not great in the air. He can hold the ball up if you're trying to counter attack. Do something like that. Yeah. Just just get Lukaku in the box. And just get him to head balls away. And it's it's got to a point now where he has got a. a I, I, you know, we're laying into them a bit here, but I don't think the changes that we need to make are, are too widespread. I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. No. But we have got options there in bringing Lukaku back and getting ahead in the ball. We've been saying it for ages and ages, but bring Joe Robles into the team to help amend this issue because he's a goalkeeper. Granted, he's got his flaws. He comes and punches balls. He comes and catches them. He takes the pressure off the back four. And we've got a creaking defence at the moment in set pieces, which needs to have the pressure taken off them. Mm. No, I completely agree. And, and and like you say, I don't want to see him as if we are battering the team because for, throughout most games, we're dominating games. Mm. We're just not putting teams away. And then when we're not putting teams away, we're getting caught out by inept defending. But, I mean, I, I want to pick it up on Jaggy Elkin in a minute. But that sort of skill... I mean, I think a Drogba at Chelsea mm. for, for defending yeah. set pieces. They put the best header of a football in the middle of the 18-yard box to say, look, you're not marking a man. Just move towards the ball. Do your best to get your head on the ball when it comes in. And and, and I think the frustrations lie in the fact that these are such simple things to us, Matt, that it's it, it just seems impossible for the manager not to be able to see them. And that's why it seems like we're getting on his back. But because the the simplicity in it, mm. If it was a wholesale thing, then yeah, okay, you get on your manager's back and you say, look, that's openly your fault. But because these are little tiny things, little Mm. tweaks to a system, little tweaks to set pieces, that's what the infuriating thing is really, isn't it? Yeah, and you can see it in all facets of his management, how stubborn he is. You know, look look at the changes he made in the game at the weekend, leaving Aruna Kone on for for the whole game. He did the same against Bournemouth, and as well as Kone's done this season, he's not a player who can do a full 90 minutes away from home, especially when teams are trying to attack you. And it, it always seems to me as though if, if he does make those sorts of changes in matches, he, he's kind of, he kind of sees it as a weakness. He, he, he sees it as this, this, this philosophy I've put together, this game plan so meticulously, it, it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, he's like, he's made the mistake and he's worried about being portrayed in that way because you think the times in games over the past, you know, the past couple of seasons, Southampton, when he didn't make any changes at all in the match, despite being three nil down, at Dynamo Kiev, when Ansel and Alcaraz had probably the worst 45 minutes I've ever seen from a player in Everton shirt, and he came back out after the break, he, he doesn't he doesn't seem to make changes to me, for me until it gets to a point where it is too far gone and it, it's too precarious for Everton, and he, he needs to act sooner. And 
because in his first season he was proactive, wasn't he? His decisions, mm-hmm. he, he he made changes to alter the course of the game before they got away from Everton or before the opposition grew in momentum. And he just seems to have gotten a little bit too stubborn and set in his ways for me. That's the thing. I mean, that that first season, I remember sitting on our show saying, you know, applauding him for how he seems to have this Midas touch mm-hmm. with substitutions. I remember going away to Villa, we beat them two 0 and he put Leon Osman on, and you know the crowds up in arms at the time. Put him on. He went and controlled the game. Got um, assisted for Lukaku for his first goal, and yeah, got the yeah. second himself. Went and won the game two 0 And you're like, that's a master stroke. That is proper top management from a top manager. It's funny the way he sort of <laughs> the stubbornness. I don't know what it's born out of. I really don't know. I don't know whether it's in spite of something. I don't know whether he sort of discovered this. I mean, the comments he made about. Um, it's about the performances, not the results. It was ludicrous, mm. um, and may well have been taken out of context. I think, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was. If I'm right. giving him the benefit of the doubt, but there seems to be this obsession with purity with him that he wants this this utopia that I don't think's there. I really don't. No. I think he's searching for something that isn't there, um, and I'm just worried that it might be his undoing eventually because. If, if he keeps on trying stuff, okay, you know, they say don't they shoot for the stars, but if you get to the moon, it's okay. Mm. I, I don't know, I don't see that sort of thing happening with the players we have. The the landscape at Everton now, I think, is very, very clear. We've got a fantastic crop of players. We sat here last week talking about how fantastic that group of young players, that core, Fab Four, whatever you want to call it, supplemented by good players around them. It's time we went and won something. It's time, it, and and to get them players to stay, which more importantly, I mean that that's the more pertinent issue. To get them to stay, you've got to show that we're achieving stuff and we're we're improving season on season, and it's to their benefit that it's happening. I just worry that might get a little bit lost in what he's trying to do mm. at the football club in, in searching for this thing that might not be there. I think. What makes it more frustrating and probably makes Martinez more willing to buy into that is there are flashes at times when we do we do produce those sort, you know, like you mentioned there, the word utopia. That, that we have the, them wow moments. Exactly. The, the yeah. thirty minutes before our time on, on Saturday were, were as good as we've played all season. Probably as good as I've seen any Premier League team play all season at all. The way we moved the ball, we pressed the ball, we, we, we you know, we just didn't give them a sniff at all and we carved out so many chances and I know we are being a bit doom and gloom, but the fact that we are creating those chances is a good sign. Because oh, yeah. if you think back to last season, at this point, we were drawing games, we we weren't creating anything, we were nicking games, we were, we were you know we were just about getting through them. So that's a positive. We've got good young players. That's another positive. But the, the team's still still evolving, isn't it? We still need to get that killer instinct. We still need to add things to it. And I just feel like the manager can do a little bit more to to help that process along. Now we we've spoken about Funes Mori, touched upon him then a minute ago. In fact, and. Um, Stones and young defenders, maybe certain facets of the games that are missing that you would get in a Phil Jagielka. There's not too many sorts of shouting from the rooftops that we've missed him too much, but when you see complacency seep in, when you see particularly goals from set pieces, your captain, who's a centre half, there's a there's a there's a you know, there's a line of thinking that says, "Hang on, this fella is desperately missed in many ways." Yeah, I think he's definitely got to come back in. Yeah, when he when he's fit and. There are there are times when you, you look at players and you think he should be staying in the team. He's, he's come in and done well. And I think Maury's done okay since he's been in. I think he started well. He seems to have got a little bit... I don't know if he's relaxed a little bit because he knows he's guaranteed a starting spot, whereas before he was trying to come in and impress. But yeah. the, the last couple of games have just been a little bit worried about him. And, and I think that's impinged on John Stones' performance in a way because... He's a player who's so front foot, he's always trying to win tackles, win headers, as we mentioned before. He, he leaves his centre-back partner exposed before, and 
at least a centre back partner exposed at times, and, and that's a worry. And, and I know Jack Yelton's not, not the most vocal of players. He's not going to he's not going to bellow at, at Stones to get in position or bellow at his midfielders. But you can see him always quietly talking to people throughout the game, dragging people into position. And but in, in times like this, and I said this after the Bournemouth game, when when you've not got your captain. That's when you're looking for your other senior players to step up in the game. And Gareth Barry's our, our skipper at the moment, isn't he? But again, he's not the most vocal. But I don't really see him bellowing mm. at players or, or dragging people into position, which he should because he's, he's you know he's, he's a Premier League winner. He's got the experience. He's played so many games in the league. Tim Howard's not coming off his line, claiming balls, taking taking pressure off the team. And even even Aruna Kone in the game on Saturday he was wasteful in possession. You know, he's a 31 year old forward. He should be doing a lot more. And these young players should be looking to. to these senior figures and the manager for guidance. And at the moment, they're not really giving it. So hopefully when Jagielka does come back in, obviously Baines is back in the team again now, that inexperience will be offset a little bit more by by some more savviness from, from these sorts of players. I mean, talking just, just generally to friends and obviously social media, people saying we're not nasty enough in many ways. That that's, I think that's where that stems from, the fact of mm. the leadership thing, because... We we haven't got that player other than Gareth Barry who, who does it anyway. But you haven't got that player who'll, who'll nick a, a snide free kick and take a booking mm. and, and burn down five minutes on the clock. No. We haven't got that type of player in our side, and I, I do I do worry that being perceived as a soft touch. I think, and a few Liverpool fans have got on me about this this week as well um, about having that sort of soft underbelly where they're not savvy in, in games. They're not they're not you know nicking fouls. They're not. The, the, the horrible things that you don't really want to see and you moan at every other club for doing them, but the fact that your club doesn't join the party makes you the one that stick out and you lose out yeah. for it. And We don't have, we don't have that, that kind of player. Someone and like Pino would, would yeah. be perfect, wouldn't he, in that situation? How many, how many cheap free kicks do they used to win round the box, take the pressure off yeah. us, get us up the pitch? But do you not think someone like Stephen Naismith could do that, Joe? Exactly. I was watching that game at the weekend and he... He's a he's a player who I think in games against Bournemouth and and that one he could have come on and done, done a good job for us. I know I know that left hand side isn't necessarily his best position, even though he came on against Chelsea and scored a hat trick from there. But I remember when we played Tottenham earlier in the season and they were really putting us under pressure yeah. in that match. They were, they were pinning us back, and he brought off, I think he brought off Rom actually and put put Naismith in behind Kone, and he just won headers, got around their back four, slowed the play down, you know, gave away a few fouls as well. And just just took any sting out the game, and it was it was a really understated and, and, and brilliant performance from him. And in the games like that, when you think we just need to get up the pitch here, we just need to slow the game mm-hmm. down, I think he would have been a much much more useful player to us than Aruna Kone. And and there's and there's you know there's there's a backstory there as well, isn't it? The weekend Norwich yeah. tried to sign him in the summer. How often do those sorts of things just just come back and, and just work out well for you? Yeah. And I just thought that game was crying out for him there. Yeah, you spot on. Absolutely, he's what I had my mind when I asked you that. Um, he has that sort of dogged determination, doesn't he? That mm. gets you up the field, it gets you in their faces. And that one against Spurs, I actually love for the fact that he riled the Spurs players yeah. as well. And and there was a nastiness about that. There was an edge to that game when he came on. Um, and, and I'm all, all for him coming on in those situations. Um, the thing that, that bothered me about it was, well, Matt, when we can see goals, and again, probably goes back to the leadership issue, no one actually seems that bothered when we can see it. You look at the body language of players, it's like... Mm. Let's get the ball back to the halfway line. Get on with it. There's no nobody screaming. Why weren't you marking him? Mm. I thought Funes Mori had that in his locker. To be honest with you, he seems quite a volatile character at yeah. times. But he sort of when goals go in. I mean, it was great celebrating at Bournemouth, wasn't he? But <laughs> goes one puts gets put past him at the other end, and 
there's not that sort of animosity. There's none of that anger that you'd like to see. I, I'd love to see someone in there, Gareth Barry, a senior figure, yeah. tearing strips off the man who's who's let his man go for them to score. I would love to see that. That's it. We've got no talkers in the team, yeah. have we? There's, there's, there's no one. There's no one, you know. I sit, I sit in the Gladys streets, and when when you watch when you watch us playing alpha in the back or defending things, apart from the crowd, you, you can't hear anything. I remember when we used to have, you know, he's a player who had his faults, but Phil Neville, you, you could hear him, couldn't you, at the other end of the pitch, yep. barking orders out to people where to go. And you look at that goal we scored against Bournemouth in the 95th minute, and everyone just got so caught up in the celebration. They were all, you know, they were all elated. They were all with the fans. Gareth Barry was was in with the fans celebrating, and you think. Where's the player going? Dragging people saying, you know, we might have to defend the spell here. They're going to have a kick off. They're going to put it into the box. Stay switched on. Where's that type of player? Yeah. Where, 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 where's someone G'ing them up after we scored at the weekend saying, come on, get back into this. We played well second half. It just, it, it was such a confident side. And when we've got that momentum behind us and when we're going, it's brilliant and we, and we create chances and we score goals. But when, when someone just stops to, to, to halt us, we just go into which go into a really bad shape. We yeah. can't get out. And there's been times this season, obviously Norwich probably thought they, they could have won that game at the weekend, really, with, with the chance they missed in, in the second half. But there's, there's been loads of games this season which you can think back to when we conceded the goal and then we conceded another one straight afterwards. And that, that does show a lack of leadership. It, it shows a lack of somebody organising the players and trying to get them through these difficult spells. And mm. maybe suddenly he might, and I've said he's not looking to, to sign anyone in January, but maybe that is something he's, he might look to, to bring in in January. Just a player who, who is a bit more experienced, who can, who can talk, who can get, get us through those tough spells and matches. That's a topic I want to get onto in a minute, actually. But before that, I mean, you mentioned it right at the very start of the conversation. Lukaku. Um, Obviously scored seven games on the run, six mm. six on the run in the league, and obviously he's up against Vardy. So it's the two Premier League's two mm-hmm. most uh, prolific hitmen up against each other on Saturday. But uh, and I was talking to Graham Sharp about this earlier this week on, on one of the legend shows, and I was saying you know, goal scorers. I mean, it covers all manners of sins when a goal scorer scores a goal because that's it. That's their job. That's their bread and butter. Lukaku scored against Norwich, but. And and he was still he was I thought he was still brilliant he was still on the mm. still on the crest of a wave in terms of his team play missed a couple of really good chances and I'm thinking we'd slate him for that had he not already scored so I oh, mean yeah. you would he, he does have to share the, uh, some of the responsibility in missing those chances I mean the one where he tried the ridiculous Tacanio scissor kick in the <laughs> he could have threw his head at it he could have threw his left foot at it yeah. there was one he threw his right foot at where he could have just left it to, to drag across to his left and, and, and stab it home um, there's such a thing as overconfidence with strikers isn't there yeah definitely but it's not worrying. It's it's not such a worry for me as such because he is getting into the positions and he is as after the side he's missing chances. Yeah. Whereas last season there were times when he was so anonymous in games and the ball was bouncing off and he wasn't getting any serves at all. But I completely agree with you. I thought he had a, a poor game on Saturday, mm. even though he scored. And you know, after the match, all the, the talk was about this seven game seven games in a row in which he scored. There's a couple of chances there he's got to finish it, and and that's. I think Martinez was comparing to Aguero in the week, which he thinks is a bit hasty. And the fact that the fact another player in that situation of that class, like Aguero, I'm trying to think of, of another player, even someone like Giroud, you, you've seen him recently. Composure. They'll go, they'll go on and get a second, or they'll go and get a third, mm-hmm. and they'll just have that comp- that composure in the final third. And at the moment, that that's something we don't have when when, when it all links together, and it's you know it's and we're flying forward and we put those patterns together, it's great and it looks brilliant and we're as good as any team in, in the league going forward. But there were times in that game at the weekend when you, like, 
that that word you mentioned there, composure, we were just lacking it. Someone you mentioned PNR early in the show, someone like him who just gets, you know, always plays the right pass, does the right thing in areas. Someone like oh, I don't know, just just uh, someone, even someone like Naismith in those situations, yeah. you'd back him to score because he's, he's he's a you know he's a we'll cool head it. in front of goal, yeah. So that that's lacking, but that that's part and parcel of such a, such a young attacking team, and mm. you know it's he'll he'll hopefully learn from that, and, and the next game he'll he'll want to carry on this this streak he's on, he'll want to maybe get two or three yeah. as well. Well, I, I suppose we we're being a bit hypocritical here because who'd have thought we'd be sitting here? Moaning at one of our strikers because they only scored one. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just to score one yeah. at the time last season would have been a miracle, but uh, there we go. But things that, change. Just, don't uh, I don't think we can slide the attackers off too oh, much no, this season because we're the no. third top scorers in the Premier League. It's it's just those little moments, and, and that's that's what's so frustrating for me. We seem really close to getting it right, but the manager doesn't seem to, to have it in to, to make those tweaks to, to get us to, to, to really step forward. Yeah, it it is. It, it does seem like a case of if we if Plan A doesn't work, he doesn't seem to have the nous to go again no. and try and find a different way of winning a game. He'll just keep persisting with what he knows. Mm. Uh, that was really evidence against Crystal Palace, I thought as well. Mm. Um, yeah, just wanted to get on that you, you touched upon it again there, the transfer thing. And he's he's been out again this week saying that he, he doesn't think he'll be adding in um, in January. Now I, I've got a couple of sort of perspectives on this because I think for all, all the moaning and and sort of you know uproar about Morales and Naismith, maybe rumours about him leaving. The fact of the matter is, this is an alien situation to us because we haven't had that many injuries this season. When they've come as well, they've mm. come to the back line. And the thing for me is, I mean, how many times over over the years have we sort of sat here and moaned about, oh, he's out injured and it's a makeshift side and you're struggling to f- to fill positions with players. The bench looks like it's it's made up of the under 18s yeah. or whatever. We've come to a position now, I think, in the season which is really really strange to us, and maybe it's the reason why everybody's getting a bit carried away with players leaving who aren't happy. But <clears throat> it's a time of year when squads start getting utilised. I think I've seen the graphic on the telly yesterday about... Randy, they were saying Ranieri, obviously, is known as the Tinker Man. There's only Swansea who've used less players than Leicester City this mm. season, and that's 20. Less of any used 21 players, or 22 players, all season long. Now, you don't see Leicester City sitting there moaning and saying, oh, why isn't such and such on the bench? Why isn't uh, Yuzhoa getting a game on the bench? Yeah. Obviously, they're, they're doing fantastic without him. But there's a point they know that that player will need to be called upon. Mm. And there's a, there's a point for Everton here where Morales will be called upon, Naismith will be called upon. We're undoubtedly going to get injuries. Now, the transfer thing, I think you can look at it that way and think, well, hang on, we've got a bench there that's barely been used. These lads are going to be fresh. You know, you've still got a PNR to come back as well. Um, you've got Gibson in there who can do a job. You've got Morales, you've got Osman, you've got experienced heads, mm. you've got youngsters, you've got a good blend of squad players there. Great. I can see why you're saying we don't need to strengthen. The one thing that sort of does bother me about that, though, is Lukaku gets injured, and it's like a house of cards, it seems to me, because if he does go, then then that's it. You can't see Kone on the line up front on his own. Morales, you may have said, will be a viable option, but he hasn't had the game time or form. Naismith, similarly so as well. So I think there's a bit of a, a vacuum there in the middle of it all. That yeah, okay, it's great saying that. If he has a crystal ball and the is fit, fine, I agree with you. But the fact of the matter is, it is Everton, and, yeah. <laughs> and you could see that happening, couldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. And I, 
<laughs> I wouldn't want to see anyone leave if we're not going to get a replacement in. That, that's where I stand on it because I, I don't think the squad's big enough as it is at the moment. I think there's three areas we need to strengthen desperately. I think we need to strengthen the goalkeeper, the left side of the midfield, and, and as you mentioned there, we need to, we need to have a striker as well. And to lose someone like Naismith, and we, we've touched upon his importance, potential importance in the squad earlier in the show, and how how much of an impact he can have. He can come on, change games, he can nick a goal. I wouldn't want to see him go at all. And January, I think anyone who's thinking we've got a big enough squad just needs to look at how our January is going to play out because we've got the two League Cup ties against City, yep. either side of a game against City. We've got an FA Cup tie and we play Arsenal and Chelsea as well, all, all in the space of one month. So you look at that and you think... Season-defining month. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and they're, they're tough teams. We're going to be doing a lot of chasing the ball around players are going to get tired and you're going to have to rotate your squad at times and perhaps that's why he's not making many substitutions he's trying to keep these players fresh <laughs> yeah. when, when they do get that's one theory they, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he'd be scraping a battle if he had to use that one <laughs> yeah. but no I, as, unless he's got replacements eyed up and they're definitely going to come in for these players and it's rare you do get it's rare we will get someone with the, the quality of Nathan before the quality morale has to come in and, and fill the void in January because Teams don't want to sell plays in January, do they? Especially who can who can have that kind of influence on a match. So, no, not not for me. If, if we're not going to bring players in, then then keep the squad intact and, and add to it. Hopefully, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. That I'd I'd love to see. I, I don't know. If it's necessarily no, normally January transfer windows have been used in the past by us to sort of lift mentality mm. and things have been down or maybe we, we have a slow start as we notoriously used to do. And you'd, you'd buy a cluster of players in January, and then that'd be it. Then it'd set us up mm. for the second half of the season. Don't necessarily think we need that this time. Just the, the odd supplements somewhere. Um, them three areas, as you said, absolutely key. But then again, I mean, you get Pienaar back. Okay, there's obviously going to be yeah. huge question marks over his fitness and longevity. But, you know, you, you can you can see a pathway through for Everton to get through, not adding numbers in January and I never thought I'd be sitting here in a position to say that ever I'd, I'm normally the first to get on the back of the club and think well why aren't they doing more to, to add to this squad to make you know to make it the best that we've had you know, I mean most fans and they're probably beating down the radios or phones <laughs> whatever they're listening to right now saying that well, hang on we've got the best squad or the best core of, of a squad that we've had in many a year we need to go and throw numbers at it we need to throw money at it you look how well we've played. It's any subtle differences that have made the difference this season. Subtle changes in matches that have made the difference between mm. us winning and drawing. It hasn't been the difference between winning and losing. We've only lost three Premier League games this season. Um, it's it's this, this this draw thing that we need to get. I mean, Crystal Palace are above us in the table. We've lost more double the amount of games. Yeah. It, it's um, it, it's this draw mentality, I suppose it is. The, the unwillingness to change. We've got a squad there. Let's use it before we start looking at spending probably what we'll need to use in the summer to, yeah. to supplement the squad. Um, on to Leicester then, Matt. <laughs> I couldn't believe, I honestly couldn't believe he beat Chelsea. And people will say, well, why didn't you? Because Chelsea are awful and whatnot. But I just thought if they were going to be the sort of novelty act, Leicester, that many people think they are this season, and not the real deal, and the ones who sort of go into free fall after an incredible start. We've seen it so many times over the years. If they weren't going to be that side, I felt that that was one of them games that they'd start that cycle of losing yeah. and maybe falling down. Anything but. Oh God, they, 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 I think they're very much the real deal. Personally, I know, I know a lot of people expect them to fall away, but <clears throat> I, the game which which made me think they definitely definitely are is when they went to Swansea and won three 0 last week because even, even though Swansea have, have you know had a poor season they've they've obviously got a bit of unrest there. 
you just look at that game and you think that's that's the, the type of game that it seemed like Everton we slipped up there earlier this season yeah. and we, we we went there we dominated the game but we just couldn't score and they went there and played them off the park Mares scored the hat trick and the, the fact that they were able to what, what what they've been great at this season is playing on the break, haven't they? And it, it much has been made about how teams aren't showing them enough respect in that in that sense. The the sides are looking to go toe to toe with them. It's like you have a go, we have a go, and, and the likes of Vardy and Mares relish that. But but Chelsea didn't do that on Monday. They they were willing to sit deep, soak up some pressure against them, and and say come and break us down. And and they had they had no issues doing it at all, did they? And at the moment, I think Mares is probably the, the standout player in the Premier League, isn't he? Vardy's on obviously on fire, but. The one thing about them is that they do give you chances. They, they do, they do concede. They do concede a lot of goals. And without, uh, I think Drinkwater went off injured on mm. Monday night. I think he'll be a big loss for them when we play them if he's not fit. And I think Robert Hoops suspended as well. So there's two players who've been key to, to them this season. Who we should be able to exploit those with those weaknesses in the side. But I'll tell you now, if, if we concede as much space on the break as we did against Crystal Palace and we did against Norwich at times, then they will definitely punish us in the game. Yeah, it's it's a funny game, isn't it? Because obviously you want us to get out on the front foot, but that could be you shooting yourself in the foot mm-hmm. as well, couldn't it? Leaving us so exposed to the back. I mean, that Palace game was scary to watch at times. <laughs> totally enjoyable um, in, in an entertainment mm-hmm. sense, but you you watch Palace and how they attacked us when we, when we left men forward. And it was it was dangerous. It was terrifying to see at times. And you think Leicester, a potent Leicester, who obviously scored a lot more goals. Palace are doing well, but not that well. You look at Mares as well. Um, and again, I thought he'd be another flash in the pan, but the lad just keeps Superb, on going. He is absolutely fantastic. And you can you can see a big side coming in. Uh, well, you say big side. Leicester are a big side at the moment. Yeah. It's no better. Um, how do you how do you see this one panning out? Would you would you like to set us us to set up in in that free flowing way? Because I'd like to see us a little bit more solid. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd go a bit more pragmatic, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully McCarthy will be back in the team for for this one. Because even though I think Cleverley's done really well since he's been in the side, late in games he doesn't seem to quite have the same energy as McCarthy. He doesn't he can't get around the pitch and put out fires quite as well, and and that and that's. That nearly cost us against Palace, it nearly cost us against Norwich as well. So if McCarthy could come back into the team, maybe push cleverly out to, to the left hand side again, that's where Mares operates, isn't it? On their right. He, mm. he floats down there, comes inside. And and if, if you if you've got Kearney on that left flank for us and, and Baines there who's still trying to get fitness, you could see him wreaking havoc. So <laughs> having someone who's a, a bit more energetic like Cleverly on that left wing might tuck in a little bit more, makes it a little bit little bit more solid on that side. Hopefully, could could nullify the influence of of, of Mares, and I think what what having Coney out the team as well could do is it could it could embolden Ross Barkley, who I think has has been playing well recently, but he's been a lot more withdrawn. He's he's been a lot more safe in his passing and, and his running of the ball. Whereas if, if Martinez says to him, you know, there's no drink water for them in, in the team, and they play a flat midfield four, you get close to Lukaku, you play in those spaces try and affect the game a lot more in the attack and third. I think it could give him a major boost as well. And with those three in the team, Barkley, Lukaku and, and Delafay, we, we should have enough to, to score a couple of goals against them. It's just about whether we can keep them out at the other end. Yeah, I've seen an interesting article on Baines this week and he said for the first time in his career he's playing pain-free, which I thought was a yeah. massive statement considering how good he's been if he's been mm. playing in pain. Having said that, I think he'll have uh, all his ligaments, all his ankle ligaments, <laughs> all his knee ligaments, all of his joints thoroughly tested and worked out mm. against Mares at, at, at the weekend. Interesting one because, I mean, the only one game where I've seen Galloway get truly exposed this season was Man City at home. I actually felt sorry for him yeah. um, in, in that game because they really did do a job on him. 
and and I get the feeling that that could potentially be another one if he was in the side. So I am thankful for Baines being in there. Having said that, like you say, it's a a fragile handle with Curley and Baines yeah. at the moment, isn't it? So Leicester could could well target that. I, I want to ask you before before we finish up. Uh, obviously, a lot made of Ranieri against Mourinho on Monday, mm. and obviously your knowledge of uh, European football is a little bit further than mine. And he's had his clubs where he's done a bit of a, a Sven. Gordon Erickson, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sort yeah. of along them lines where I'll turn up here for five minutes, get a few million quid and then bugger off. Yeah. Um what have you made of Claudio Ranieri? Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, he's like um he's like your mate's grandfather, isn't he? Like a, a friendly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you go around yeah. and he'll you know he'll make you a cup of tea and he's always got a smile on his face like that and you can he's he did a good job at a lot of his other clubs and and that's forgotten. Obviously he was he was cast aside at Chelsea, wasn't he, a bit and Sent Mourinho slagged them off, and he, he's been to other places like Inter, and it's not really worked out for him. Greece, obviously, they were they were terrible under him at times. They lost to teams like the Faroe Islands and and, and those sorts. But I don't know. He, he's just. It seems that he's just kind of carried on what what Pearson was doing, added added a little bit of stardust to it here and there, and and they're just you can see the way he is with them and how relaxed he is in his press conferences, how he relaxed he is before the games. That's definitely coming across in the way they're playing. So. I didn't think it was a very good appointment at the start of the season, but I've been proven completely wrong on it. Yeah, I, I think I sat on, on this show actually and said that they're one of my new earmarks to go down. Same, yeah. Um, they were because, of, because of Ranieri yeah. though as well. Yeah. So it's funny, isn't it, how, how some, some players... It's, it's, great, it's great to see someone new up there, isn't it? Great yeah. to see a manager there who's been around, finally getting someone and doing a, doing a brilliant job with them. And, you know, as long as he don't win on Saturday, I'd quite happily see them go on and win the league because I think it'll be really refreshing for the whole division. It's funny, isn't it, when... You, I, I, again, I was having this conversation earlier this week that it's very, very easy in today's day and age to, you know, label a manager as a poor manager or yeah. label a player as a poor player. The fact of the matter is it works some places and it doesn't at others. I mean... You look at Rodgers at Liverpool that one season, you know, he could have been one of the best things. Well, he was the best thing since sliced bread. And then it, it, it is, there's just like a perfect storm at times in football. And I think that we're all too quick, aren't we? It's just to point the finger and say, oh, he's rubbish him. I wouldn't have him. Hmm. Fact of the matter, Ranieri goes to Leicester and you're thinking, well, he's probably just gone there for one final payday. He's getting on a bit. Does he really care? And then he's got them fighting at the top of the league going into the new year. Just, just mad the way it works, isn't it? Sometimes amazing, yeah. The fact that he's like that as well, free and easy. You know, he seems to be enjoying himself again. That, that's definitely coming through for the players because they've been the best team to watch in the Premier League this season, haven't they? The way they fly forward, they play with pace and power, trickery, and they just express themselves. And yeah, fair play to them. I've really enjoyed watching this where, year. Where do you see them finishing? Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll cling on and finish in the top four. Do you think so? Yeah. I, I, the, the stat they were doing on Monday Night Football, uh, they were saying that I think it's when it gets to this stage, a hundred percent of the teams that have been top at this stage with this points total do yeah. get in the top four, um, and I think the nine points clear of fifth. Yeah. So you mentioned there about players not being in the team as well. I think they've got quite a good squad, even though he's not used many players. Absolutely. They've got they've got people like Inla there who signed from Napoli in the summer, who's a yeah. really good player. The lad Dyer from Swansea's on loan there this season. He's hardly featured. They've got Kramerich in the team. They've got a few good defenders in the reserves as well who, who did a good job last year. So they have got players who, who can come in and, and make make an impact if needed as well. So just about keeping them too fit, isn't it? Mares uh, and Vardy. To keep them fit, they could go. You know, they could potentially do something wonderful. But 
if one of them gets injured, they might drop down a bit. But mm. I, I, I think they'll, they've done enough now and they'll, they'll cling on and finish top four. Mm. Interesting. Uh, funny, isn't it, that uh, Esteban Cambiasso relied upon so heavily <laughs> last season and sort of said, no, I'm too good for Leicester. Yeah. Could be uh, seeing a... Still ch- doing a job him, though, at Olympiarcos. He's still playing well, yeah. Oh, I thought he went for the MLS. No, no, he's, he's at Olympiarcos. He played against oh, Arsenal in the Champions League this season, yeah. He didn't do very well in the uh, the other game, but at, at Emirates, he was man of the match. Was Superb, he? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love players like that. So they just... could be further by more if they got kept out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so, finally, Matt, prediction for this weekend? I'm going to do everyone's head in and say it's going to be another draw. I think 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah, it's one for both teams to score, I think. Um, but I, I don't know I get the impression that we're going to do someone over really really well soon mm. I'd love it in many ways to be a team other than Leicester because they are everyone's second team mm. at the moment but if it comes against them I wouldn't be complaining yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think we'll win 3-1 on, on the weekend I think it'll be tough but I can see us finding a bit of potency in front of goal. Uh, right, you've been listening to The Blue Room uh, on podcast, nearly said radio then. Uh, the best bit of me and Matt's discussion tonight will be on Steve Hothershall's kick-off show on Thursday morning, so listen out for that. Uh, other than that, the main cast and crew of The Blue Room will be back in full force. I am reliably informed uh, at the same time on Tuesday, I know we're out a day later this week, on Tuesday by 6pm on iTunes and on Audio Boom. Until then, if you want to mention anything we've spoken about tonight, give us a tweet at the Blue Room EFC, and we'll be back next week.